we'll start in chapter 3, I guess, today. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Let everybody get uh, get gone, get settled. We need to be in your presence. Um, my prayer is that uh, we will experience the presence of the Lord this morning. Uh, will you join me in prayer? Lord, I love you and I thank you for who you are. You are good. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your love, for your compassionate mercy. Uh, Lord, so often we, we look at ourselves and we know our failures, we know our faults, we know our, our shortcomings, we, uh, we, we are heaped with shame and guilt, condemnation. We are scared to approach you. And uh, in your compassionate mercy, uh, you seek us out and you draw us close to you. Thank you, God. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask that uh, you would uh, be with us today, Lord, as we go to your word. Um, my prayer is that we will hear your voice. That we could uh, receive the instruction, the wisdom, uh, the correction, the encouragement that we need. And uh, uh, surely all of us are in need of some of a little of all of that. There's not one thing we need. There's a multitude of things that we need. But Lord, we, uh, we trust your spirit to, to provide for us. The food that is fit for today. So Lord, please, fill us with your truth, with your wisdom. Fill us, Lord, we pray. God, we pray and we ask that uh, as you do, uh, uh, Lord, we, uh, we would be equipped to go from this place, to live as your disciples, ready and able and equipped to make disciples of your son, Jesus. We pray that not only today in this space, but as we go from this place through our lives, Lord, in our testimony, you would be honored and glorified. Uh, we pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. So over the last <clears throat> few weeks, we've been uh, looking at uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, starting verse 13, all the way through chapter 4, verse 6. And, and Peter there is talking about uh, being wrongly judged. And, and suffering for it. And, and of course, we, we want to make sure that we, we keep this in light of what Peter's talking about. At this point, Peter is not, uh, you know, talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, very, uh, very drastic suffering. At this point, he is, he is talking about uh, the possibility about uh, people thinking poorly about you, talking bad about you behind your back, maybe the potential of them, uh, you know, uh, bringing you to authorities. But, but at this point, it's just he, these are chosen exiles. They are in a new place. They are, uh, not only are they, are, are they foreigners to the place that they're living in, but spiritually they are foreigners. 
uh, in the place that they are living. And, uh, and he says, you're going to be held in suspicion. And the things that you're, you're going to do that are going to rub culture the wrong way, the people are going to talk about you. People are going to hold you in suspicion. People are going to be skeptical about what you, who you are and what you're about. And so he's trying to prepare them to, to, to be able to face this. And, and as, as we, as we were, have been preaching and teaching about this, is, uh, you know, we, we were talking about you know, understanding that you know, if we're going against the grain and people are talking about it, it's like we've been kind of trying to encourage ourselves to stand up against that and to trust the just verdict of God. But, but we, need to, we really need to think about this a little bit because, uh, because none of us, none of us likes to be questioned or, or challenged. None of us wants to have people in disagreement with us. I, I know this. Some take it better than others, right? Some of us take uh, people being in disagreement better. Some of you seem to welcome the challenge, right? Uh, I mean, and that's a hard issue that you got to get. But, you know, some of y'all are like, okay, bring it on. Be in disagreement with me and let me, let me show you that I'm, that, 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 that I'm not to be disagreed with, right? Um, but uh, there are also others of us uh, who um, are, you know, we can take it patiently. Where some of us have matured to the point in life to where you can you, you you can receive somebody's challenge or their criticism. You can you can you can process through it and and, and you can move about um, you know your your daily life. But but I, I do know this that most of us are striving so hard to get it right, to get it right, to get life right. To get parenting right, to get marriage right, to get to get your your work right, to get your your, your faith right, your walk right. Most of us are striving so hard to get it right that any time somebody offers uh, like questions, like why are you doing that, or they criticize us, you shouldn't be doing that that way. Any little criticism, it it, it can lead us to despair. I can see people like people just get heaped up with with despair over it. But 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 at, at the very least, it will bring up defensiveness. It will bring up defensiveness, and it's kind of a default position. And listen, I'm I, I'm like whenever I I'm speaking about this, like it's this three are here. I I like that is a big a big. I've shared this with y'all, like. When somebody flippantly, why are you doing that? Like, I didn't think through it. Like, I'm a dullard, like a, a, a dummy. As my, as my father-in-law would say, y'all think I'm a stomp-down idiot. I don't even know what that means, but he was like, you know, I'm not a stamp-down. You know, and like, but, but I, I know that I have this spirit of defensiveness that can well up. And I'm not talking about thoughtful consideration because people have asked me about this. Well, well, I've been I, I've been scared to say this because I know that you don't know. I'm not talking about like a thoughtful. Hey, can we sit down? Can we talk? I'm talking about just like that flippant, that offhand, that challenge of any daily thing. You know, why are you washing the dishes like that? You should not ask me how I'm washing the dishes because I'm the best dishwasher this side of the Mississippi. All right. I'm just joking about that. Um, I'm not. I think that. I think I am the best dishwasher. No. Um, so we have this natural tendency towards defensiveness. And so that's an issue. So if somebody does bring a question to what you're doing or a challenge to what you're doing or a criticism to what you're doing, this natural defensiveness kind of 
rears its head. And, and, and then there's this whole thing on the other hand. We live in a culture that says you get to choose what's right, healthy, acceptable for you individually. Right? Nobody gets to question you. Nobody gets to challenge you. Nobody should criticize you. Don't let their criticisms and their judgments fall on you. So in such a culture, the guidance is that we, re re that we would reject any questioning, any criticism of our attitude, of our action, of our choices. We just reject that out of hand. They're not me. They don't get to speak into my life. And so you, you, you have this natural defensive impulse. You have this, this cultural guidance that says, you do you. You know, haters going to hate. Right? Y'all say that all the time, don't y'all? You know, like, haters going to hate. Don't worry about it. You just, you do whatever you feel is right. You think is right. So, all that to say, with our natural tendency to default to defenses in the face of criticism, and our cultural conditioning to render any challenge to our decisions, uh, to render any of the challenges to our decisions as baseless, it's really important that we highlight that Peter is talking in this whole context about being wrongly judged. Being mischaracterized. He's talking about being wrongly judged or unjustly judged. Right? He's not talking about any judgment, any criticism. He's not talking about any question or any challenge to what you're doing. He's saying whenever you are sure that what you are doing is in obedience to the Lord. And it is wise and it is healthy for you. And somebody comes along and they go, why are you doing that? Or somebody comes along and they and they, and they want to they, they want to go talk about you behind your back. Did you see what so and so's doing? He says, "Listen, I'm talking about whenever you are wrongly, just, unjustly judged, criticized, condemned. We have to highlight this point because you and I are naturally defensive. We live in a culture that says nobody gets to tell me what's right or what's wrong." See, listen, if we are not careful to highlight this, then you and I might actually fall prey into another trap. And we might fall prey to ignoring or avoiding necessary, positive uh, correction that you and I need. And, and I don't know if you know this, I'm not perfect. The gas, that's what I was expecting. I thought, you know, like, y'all were going to... I'm surprised we don't have a heart attack here, you know? Now, y'all know very well that I'm not perfect. And so, I need, I need help. I'm not here by myself. You're not here by yourself. We need each other. We, we need people to, to, to kind of help us see some blind spots have you ever been driving in a car and you've asked somebody, hey, could you, could you tell me if I can get over? Right? Sometimes we need somebody to say, hey, look, is there something, is, is, is there an obstacle that I'm missing? 
And see, if we, have, if we don't have like a strategy against this, then we can fall into this trap where nobody gets to tell me what to do. It's just me and God. God's my judge. You don't get to tell me what to do. And I, we see that popular in our culture today. Very popular in our culture and in our society. And so today, that's what we want to do. We want to strategize. We, we, we want to have a strategy. How, how, do we, how, do we, how do we find ourselves confident in what the Lord has uh, directed us to do, confident in the Lord's assessment, and yet able to at least hear and consider any questions, challenges, criticisms? We, we need a strategy so that we can, we can kind of step, we can, we can walk this razor's edge where, hey, if I know that this is what the Lord's called me to do, I can stand in that. But also I can listen to somebody and, and, and not just be defensive and say, shut up, you don't get to tell me what to do. Or despair. Where I can assess, hey, is this, I can discern is what they're saying good, right, necessary, wise, healthy, important for me to, to receive? Do, 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 I, do I heed what they're saying or do I honorably discharge it? Hey, thanks for what you had to say. I'll take that into consideration. And after consideration, I've decided... Yes, thank you. I needed that. Or I've decided, uh, no thank you. But I appreciate you. So what is our strategy? Uh, I, I'm going to give you all kind of two things, and, and, and there's some fill out in those two things. But, but the first thing is, is, it's really what Peter's been doing throughout the whole uh, of First Peter, especially from chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 10. Everything flows out of this idea. And then it's even what we've talked about a little bit these last couple weeks. And I think it's important for us to like start here is, 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 is you have to know who you are in Christ. You have to know what his direction for you is. You have to know what his assessment of you is. That's, that's, that's number one is is knowing who you are in Christ. And, and, and I want us to see this in, in 1 Peter. I don't have the text up on the thing, um, um, uh, Brother Sam, so I'll, we'll just have to look at it. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, all the way through chapter 2, verse 10, we find Peter telling the chosen exiles, what does it mean to be a chosen exile? And of course, we've talked about this. Chosen, we're not chosen instead of people, we're chosen for the sake of the world, Right? It's not like you've been chosen and nobody else is going to get chosen. No, 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 no. That's not how chosenness works. It's you are blessed to be a blessing. And through your blessing, what, God, what does God want people to do? He wants them to trust him. He wants them to receive his, his love and his forgiveness and his mercy. So Peter says, hey, you're, you're chosen for the sake of this world. And, and, and then just the fact that you're exiles, he says like, he says, like, you are exiles in this world, but, but, but there's something more to this. 
And he begins to tell them, like, hey, hey, you have an inheritance that's awaiting you, right? You know, like, you being an exile here, that's kind of good news because, because, because you're not like what like Jesus warned against. You're not just storing for yourselves up here treasures on earth where moth and rust can corrupt. You are storing for yourselves treasures in heaven, right? They can't be stolen. They can't be corrupted. They can't be defiled. They can't get moth-eaten. says you're chosen exiles and i want y'all to understand some things about this and he, he talks to them about how they have this inheritance and it's reserved in heaven how how they through their faith are kept by the power of god uh, he, he talks about how, how how they um have been uh, uh, we really we should accept this as a we how we have been we've been bought by the blood of jesus christ right we, we're, we're god's possession Right? We're a special possession. And, 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 and really, that's, that can sound scary whenever you think about some of the people who've, who've, who've possessed other people throughout human history that have been mean and nasty and they've taken advantage of them. But that's not our God. Our God doesn't treat us that way. But it kind of crescendos up into chapter 2, verse uh, 9 and 10. And, and I did want to read this. He says, listen, he says, here's who you are. Here's who you are, chosen exiles. And, 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 and when we talked about this initially, this is kind of like, this is like a rallying cry. This is like, hey, let's get out there. I'm, I'm giving you all this. I'm pushing you and I'm building you up. I want you to hear who you are. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a peculiar people. So that you've been called you, you, you are a uniquely identified people. You are the people of God so that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. In time past, you were not a people, but you are now the people of God. In time past, you had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. So Peter's whole message and point is to, for the chosen exiles is to know their identity and what it means to be a chosen exile. And, and one of the big things that he says is, hey, you're gods. And th this is where I want us to think about this today. Is, is, oh, and, and what he talks about in chapter 13 or chapter 3, verse 13 through chapter 4, verse 6, he talks about trusting God's verdict. And so, and so when we say know who you are, you are God's children, well, that, we, we could fill that out a little bit. So, so you need to know what God calls you to, to do to be in obedience to him. Right, so if I if if, if I'm God's if, if I, I'm God's child, I'm part of God's people. Then then my chief responsibility is to is to know what He has for me to be in obedience to Him, to be following Him, to be doing things according to His will. And and I would I, I would say this. It's not just what we have to do, but how we do it. That's a big part of it. It's not just what we have to do, it's how we do it. Do, are we following not just the, the, the directive of Christ, but the way of Christ? Right? So that's, that's big. Uh, we, we have to be able to know this. And, and, and I'm just going to say this. We've talked about this a little bit. Is, well, some of y'all are very comfortable with knowing, like, oh, man, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very confident that I can go to the Lord and I can... Uh, I can seek him in prayer, and, and, and he can direct me, and he can, he, he can order my steps, as the psalmist would talk about. I have full confidence in that. 
I bet if we were to raise hands, very few people would say, I have full confidence in that. I bet if we were going to raise hands, more people would say, maybe I could hear him. Maybe I understand what he wants me to do. I, I kind of get some of the things. I, I know some of the explicitly stated things. He wants me to be a witness, and he wants me to, he wants me to love people. But, but what does that look like in my daily life? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And for, 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 for this purpose, I want to encourage you all. I really want to encourage you all. This is what we're going to be talking about next week in our discipleship intensive. Our discipleship intensive is entitled, My Sheep Hear My Voice. My sheep hear my voice. The, the, the whole verse says, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And we understand that, like, some people feel very confident about being able to go to the Lord and, and, and seek him in prayer and, and seek his direction so I know what I need to do to be in obedience to the Lord today or, or in this season. But because so many of us don't, we want to provide resources for for us as a church, for you as individuals, so that you can sit down before the Lord and you can say, okay, God, I want to know what you're calling me to do. What does it look like for me to be in obedience to you today? And so I really want to encourage you that I, I, I believe this will be beneficial for us. So register, be part of it next week. And, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the Lord moves and works through this. But it's not just about knowing uh, who we are and, and what God wants us to do. Like our chief responsibility is to, to be in obedience to him, to follow what he has for us. Um, it, it's also trusting his assessment of us. You know, I, I don't get to sit before the Lord each and every day and him say, attaboy. Like I don't get to hear that. You know what I do get to hear every day? I get to scroll through um, social media and see people going, well, you're not living up to the standard, whatever standard it, they're putting out there. You know what I get to see every day? I get to see my, 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 my boys um, uh, do good sometimes and, um, and, and also not do so good sometimes. And whenever I see that and I go, man, I'm their parent, guess what that does? That doesn't make me go, <laughs> Those stupid kids, it makes me go, well, what do I need to do more? How do I need to fix this? How, 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 how can I address this? As a pastor, I look at a church, and, 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 I, and, I, and I lead over a church, and I have to go, okay, okay, okay where, where are we going? And, 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 and it's hard for me to find that place where I'm confident and saying, okay, God, because it's challenged all the time. It can be challenged by how many people show up. It can be challenged by how many people are participating. It can be challenged whenever we put out a thing that says register and three people register. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Because y'all say, well, I'll do that later. Don't do it later. Do it now. <laughs> the time is not. But that's me. You feel the same thing. You experience the same thing. You experience this challenge against, and this, these questions and these criticisms that come, and they don't even have to come explicitly. They can come implicitly. So we have to not only know what God wants us to do to be in obedience to him, we have to know what his assessment of us is. Uh, I was heading into the, church this morning and uh, i don't know why i just 
there's this uh, artist that I listen to every now and then. I haven't listened to him in probably a year and a half, but his name's Propaganda, and he has a like poem kind of song. It's called "It's Complicated," and uh, and, and he's talking about uh, kind of how we. Um, well, here's what he says. He says we may scratch ourselves raw to erase the image we were made in. Right? He's talking about all the ways that we live this life to kind of forsake being made in the image of God. He says, we are becoming what we are not, but what we are is inescapable. He says, you are a masterpiece. This comes out of Ephesians. Did you know that? Ephesians chapter 8, or chapter 2, verse 10. You know, after, after um, we got, by grace are you saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. We come to uh, a verse, a couple verses later that says, but you are the workmanship in the King James Version, and it's this uh, Greek word, uh, the, 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 the uh, poieia, I believe, or, uh, but it's where we get poetry, and some people have uh, translated that, you are God's masterpiece, and you're created unto good works. You are a masterpiece, but here's what he warns. He says, but you're fighting to be a silly selfie with a hideous filter. You are heaven's made calligraphy, but you find yourself slumming it among the papyrus fonts. And if you don't know anything about papyrus font, it's not a good one, all right? He said, you are the complete and perfect works of a perfect and eternal poet laureate, but you have a laundry list of identity issues. And then he goes on, he says, you are a rightful heir to not just a kingdom, but a universe. And I love this. And you have your daddy's eyes. Stop being so traitorous. You are a revelation revealed. You know, uh, the, the assessment that I would say that you and I first need to receive is that assessment that God loves us. And he will be very, very patient with us. He loves you and he will be very, very patient with you. In fact, a lot of people will preach the gospel and say, oh my goodness, don't, I, I don't know if you know this, God is so very frustrated with you. That's not the good news. And it's not even the truth. In fact, the truth is this, is that God loves us and he's very, very patient with us. And in his love, he came and he said, I, I'm not going to require a thing of you. I'm going to solve the problem myself. So he put on flesh and blood and he walked on this earth and he took all, all of the vitriol, all the violence, all the hatred that was against him. That it's kind of a microcosm of all the sin of all the world. And that horrific moment uh, 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 or moments uh, through his through his arrest, his trial, his his beating, and his life before that was no was was no walk in the park either. But 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 in this moment, he he put it all, he bore it on his shoulders, and he put it to death. And so his assessment of you is not a negative assessment. His assessment of you is: you are my creation, you are my masterpiece. I can see it in your eyes. You are my masterpiece. 
Stop rejecting that you are my masterpiece. Stop letting the world tell you that you're not my masterpiece. Stop letting your own inner critic tell you that you're not my masterpiece. And here's the thing. A lot of us are looking for dare to be great moments. What's God going to call me to do to be in obedience today? He's not going, just, just trust that he simply calls us to love and good works. You are not going to be responsible for ending all the hostile violence that's going on in this world today. He doesn't call the church to do that. In fact, I, I, would, I, would, I would encourage you that instead of us reading Revelation like this big fear-mongering you know, chart of the end of the age, we should probably read Revelation in, in such a way as to say, hey, until Jesus returns, there's going to be a whole lot of atrocities that continue to happen. And when you can do that, you can actually look back in history and you can go, that's what's happened. <laughs> in fact, we, we, that's all that's happened. And the church, is, it, it's not our responsibility to get it wiped out. The, the, that's the responsibility of our liberating king who will come and who will make things right. He will, put a, he will be the one to put a war, to, 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 to put it into all the wars. No war is going to put it into all the wars. Sorry, this is a bit of an aside and a bit fiery. But I hope that we can see this. He's called us to be the ones who faithfully follow the way of his son Jesus and be persistent witnesses in this world. You're not going to end world hunger or homelessness. We are going to fight against those things, but I promise you, I promise you, it's, it's not in our power and it's not our responsibility. God says, I will take care of that. So I can keep going, but no, no, we have to know what, who we are and, and, and what our responsibility is, is to be in obedience to him and we should trust his assessment of us. And, and, and that in part, just what I want y'all to see, we're not a bunch of disparate individuals. So who we are is not just who I am in Christ, it's who I am in relationship to those who he's placed me in a community of faith together. We are in Christ together, my brothers and sisters. We are walking this road. And so, so, so we, can, we can encourage one another. We can offer some accountability and some correction to one another. No, and, and, and I would just say this. Make sure that you have the, 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 the place in somebody's life to do so. But if you do have the place, let's make sure that we're not just saying, well, it's not my place to judge. Sometimes we have to hold each other up. Knowing, knowing who we are in Christ, knowing what he wants us to do to be obedient to him, knowing what his assessment is. And we do this not just ourselves, we do this in this community that he's placed us in. Uh, that is uh, the first part of our strategy. The second part's going to go much quicker because I took way too much time for that one. But James, uh, I would just uh, invite you to James chapter number one. And, um, and, and how are you going to strategize? How are you going to strategize against defensive 
reactions to criticisms, questions, challenges? How are you going to strategize against just going the way of the culture and saying, you don't have any say over my life and laissez-faire laissez uh, kind of way of saying like, oh, forget about it. You know, I'm going to do me, you do you. How do we defend about against that? Well, James uh, gives us some very good instruction in James chapter 1, verse 19. He says, my beloved brethren and sisters, let every one of you be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. At this point, I would like to uh, uh, have, you, have you consider our liberating King Jesus, who, um, as we read his story, seems to be the most criticized, questioned, and challenged individual. Now, I know... A lot of people today would say that Trump is the most investigated uh, president that we've ever had, and that might be true uh, to that point. But Jesus, there's nobody who's been investigated more than Jesus during his life and since. During his life and since. And here's what I love about our liberating king, is he doesn't act like a baby whenever he gets criticized, challenged. He doesn't storm. He doesn't make uh, rants at people like every last one of us would do. Um, what I see in our liberating King Jesus is that he, James looks to him and that's where James gets this wisdom. He looks to Jesus and he says, you know what? I think it's good for us to be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. I was just thinking this through a little bit this week as I was studying. I mean, Jesus' disciples are walking through the, through the fields and they pluck some grain and they're threshing it in their hands. And here comes some you know, codified religious elite who are challenging. Why are your disciples working on the Sabbath, buddy? And Jesus, like, like he's questioned and he's challenged at every turn, not only by the people who are hostile towards him or skeptical about him, but even his own disciples. He tells his disciples, hey, uh, no, we're going to get to Jerusalem. And when we get to Jerusalem, here's what's going to happen. They're going to arrest me. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And then I'm going to raise again the third day. And Peter says, shut your mouth. That's not going to happen. You're talking nonsense now. Now, we can say that's done out of love, and we can understand where Peter's heart is in that, but it's still, Jesus is just pouring out his heart to them, and instead of Peter going, oh, man, let me hear what, what he's saying. Let's process it. No, 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 that can't happen. And you've done that to people. People have shared some things with you, and you go, no, 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 that, that can't happen. Oh, I'm reading this wonderful book by this Ukrainian author, uh, and I couldn't even begin to tell you the title um, of the book right now, but it's so good. Um, oh, it's called Brisbane. Uh, I can't read his last name, but it, the title of the book is called Brisbane. Um, but it's so good. But he was talking about the last time that he saw the main characters, the last time that he saw his grandmother. And his grandmother said to him, she said, um, hey, um, I'm going to die soon. And he says that he kind of fluffed it off. He said, no, no, not any, not anytime soon. You know, like that nervous kind of just. And she did, like a few months later, she died, and he, that was the last time that he saw her. And he said, I think back to that often, she was trying to tell me something so important. 
And I didn't just listen to him. And I had to, you know, whisk it away with some, some, you know, just empty, empty line. Jesus was quick to hear people. And I just want to kind of fill this out a little bit. Like, like somebody might come up to you with a question or a challenge, and, and, and you don't have to sit there and go, no, I'm not going to receive it, and get defensive. And you don't have to just even flippantly just say, ah, nobody gets to speak into my life. You can just hear it. It's not going to hurt you to hear it. To, 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 to weigh it, to, to consider where is this coming from? Or do they have my best interest at heart? Hear it. Oh, man, that moment when Jesus, this is such a tense moment that I don't think that we get the gravity of it, but they bring a woman who was caught in the act of adultery to him. Somehow they left the man there. Or he got out, you know, but they caught her, right? They bring her to Jesus. And they said, in the law, in the codified law of Moses, it says that anybody caught in the act of adultery is to be stoned to death. This is a pressure cooker moment. What say you, Jesus? And it's so weird. We all just want to know what he was writing in the sand. It doesn't tell us, so... It's something that we want to wonder about, but also I don't think he's really, that's not the important thing. The important thing is the action that he did. He stops. He takes all the attention from her onto himself. This is so Jesus. I'm, I'll bear it. I'll bear it. I'll get your mind off her for a second. So I'm just going to sit down here and I'm just going to play in the dirt. You, you know, they had to be so frustrated. How dare you? We, you need to give us an answer, buddy. You could hear them mumbling against themselves. But golly, Jesus doesn't just... I'm so nervous about what I have to say now. I'm so defensive. Or who are you to tell me? I only answer to God. Stops. This pressure cooker of a moment, he takes some time to kind of like let the tension kind of rise and fall. And then he doesn't even have to give an answer. He asks them a question. Okay, so yeah, okay. Given that truth, which one of you is without sin? I love it. It says from the oldest all the way to the youngest. It's wisest to the most foolish. <laughs> they begin to drop their rocks and walk away. I, 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 I hope it's a good strategy for you. I think it's been a good strategy for our liberating King Jesus. Let, let's, let's be quick to listen. Let's be slow to speak. You don't have to rush to give an answer, and sometimes you don't even have to give an answer. There's times where they came to Jesus and they said, hey, tell us about this. And Jesus kind of redirected them sometimes. And, some, and one time explicitly he said, listen, if you can't answer this question, I'm not going to give you an answer. 
He knew who he was as the divine son of God. He knew what his responsibility was to be in obedience to the father. He knew what God's assessment was over him, my beloved son. And so when the people came before him, he could hear them without having to rush to defensiveness. He could weigh and consider, okay, what are they saying? Sometimes he gave an answer. Sometimes he didn't feel the necessity to give an answer. But I can tell you the last thing is so beautiful. He doesn't just get angry. I taught um, tweens a few weeks ago, and, and I told them, I said, you know, one of the most misrepresented passages in Scripture is when Jesus goes into the temple and he flips the tables and he drives out the, because everybody, go, they, everybody wants to use that as justification. If Jesus got mad and he lost his cool, ah, if, if that's how we read it, then we are mischaracterizing Jesus in a lot of ways. A, Mark is very important to tell us, uh, and they'll all kind of do it with a different timeline, but, uh, but, 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 but Mark says like he came in, he saw everything, he left, and then the next day he came in, and that's whenever he did this. So whatever he did was a calculated movement. This was not uh, a man who just blew his top. This was not Macaulay Austin getting mad at his son for being dishonoring to another son. And that gets me going, right? <laughs> I can, ah! No, this was Jesus, our liberating king, who was quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I, I would offer to y'all just while I'm talking about it, but th that scene should not be used to justify, well, Jesus got mad at him, he flipped tables every day. Jesus is doing, like, he's brilliant, and he does active parables just as much as he does spoken parables. Just like Ezekiel, remember Ezekiel, he did these active parables about the prophecies that were going to happen to Jerusalem. And one of the best explanations that I've heard is Jesus, A, he is not happy that they are profiteering in the temple court. It's not that they're doing any, any business. That, that was part of it all the way back into the Old Testament. It was that they were being corrupt oppressive in their business but also what jesus is trying to demonstrate is this temple is going to be destroyed because of what y'all are doing just like this table is going to be turned over this temple will be destroyed and it's not because god's so angry at you and he's going to come down with lightning it's because you are going to walk the wrong way and you're going to do things that bring destruction upon yourselves and in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. But Jesus was slow to wrath. He was not quick to wrath. And we see this on the cross, on, on the cross, after he's been criticized and questioned and challenged throughout his whole ministry by people who are skeptical about him and hostile against him, and even by those who love him, who chose to follow him. On the cross, we find Jesus hearing them, their scoff. And he knows the assessment that God has over him. He knows what it means to be obedient to God. And they're saying things like, if he's really the son of God, won't he save himself? He hears that little challenge. And instead of Jesus going, I've had enough of it, he hears them. 
He assesses what they have to say, given the assessment of God over him, because he knows who he is. And then he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't even know what they're, what they're talking about. And I'm not mad about it. My heart's broken over it. My heart's broken over it. Because if they knew, if they knew, they would not be scoffing. If they knew, every knee would be bowing. Every tongue would be confessing. And I am Lord. But Father, the time is not today, but there will be a day. My brothers and sisters, there will be that day. So, how do we strategize? We have to know who we are as chosen exiles. Know what his uh, uh, directives are for us. What it means to be in obedience to him. Uh, know uh, his assessment of us. We have to uh, not just know that individually, know that in the community that we're part of. Rely upon one another for these, these types of things. We should how also, because we can follow what James uh, gives us wisdom of, and really James picks it up from Jesus himself. Let's be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. With that I say amen. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes, talk to God about what God's talking to you about this morning. And here's what I would, here's what I would ask. Is there something that you've been challenged about? Maybe interiorly, maybe there's an inner critic going on. Something that you've been like wrestling with and you've been going, God, I just don't know the way. And, and maybe today you, you might just begin to ask God, okay, God, I want to know your directive and your assessment of the situation. Uh, maybe uh, you need to, maybe there's something that you know, you, you've been very clear. Hey, God, you've given me this directive, uh, I, 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 I've been, but you've been challenged on it, and it's, it's kind of making you feel timid. You're losing your confidence in it. You could go to the Lord, and you could talk to him about that. just invite you at this time to talk to God about what God's talking to you about. Uh, I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to give you some uh, time to pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. God, I pray and I ask that you would just please uh, be with us this morning. Lord, help us to hear you, to discern your voice. Help us to discern your voice from the inner critic. Help us to discern your voice from the... Uh, the, the cultural, uh, whether it's, you know, the bizarro Christian subculture or the culture at large, Lord, uh, from, from, you know, cultural condemnation. Uh, Lord, help us not to be uh, so quickly defensive against any criticisms or questions or challenges. Lord, help us to uh, hear them and hear you and what you have to say about them. Lord, God, I pray and I ask these things in Christ's name. Y'all spend time.